I'm Andrew Schwartz, and you're listening to The Truth of the Matter, a podcast by CSIS where we break down the top policy issues of the day and talk with the people that can help us best understand what's really going on. To get to the truth of the matter about a really big issue that's ongoing this week, Russia pulling out of the Black Sea grain deal, we have with us Caitlin Welsh, who is the director of our Global Food and Water Security Program. Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Before we really get into this, and this is a pretty interesting case here, tell us just what is the Black Sea Grain Initiative and why is it so important? Black Sea Grain Initiative was put in place last July, July of 2022, involving Russia, Ukraine, Turkey, with negotiation from the UN. And it allowed for the safe export of Ukraine's grain in the context of active warfare. When Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, exports of, of agricultural products from Ukraine effectively ground to a halt. And it wasn't until July, until several months later, that shipments were able to resume again. The deal was signed in July of 2022. First ships that were inspected were uh, August 1st of last year, and ships were exporting grain, agricultural products throughout the year, ever since last August. A total of over 32.8 million metric tons of grain were shipped from Ukraine to 45 countries on three continents around the world, and shipments, a variety of products, mostly corn, wheat, sunflower oil and, and, and other products, but a variety of products to many countries around the world. One of the most important effects of this was that it helped to lower global grain prices, which had reached an all-time high upon Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And so who did this help, the, the grain deal? Yeah, that's a great question. It helped countries all around the world. Um, it helped the most food insecure countries um, through a couple of ways, both through direct shipments to some of those countries and also through the fact that the UN World Food Program purchased about 80% of its wheat from Ukraine last year. And then through shipments to all other countries to, um, as I mentioned, 45 countries on three continents, it helped to lower global food prices, which is beneficial for all countries around the world. So there has been an accusation by Russia that the deal did not meet its intended effect by helping food insecure populations. That's not the case. That's also a misstating of the purpose of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which was simply to get Ukraine's agricultural products on market. It wasn't intended to benefit only food insecure countries, but it certainly benefited them and every country around the world. So this is a big deal. What does this say to you about the war in Ukraine and why do you think Russia is doing this? That's the question. When it comes to why Russia is doing this, Russia has stated a number of reasons. It issued a two-page explanation of the decision that it made. I think that's all smoke and mirrors. To get to some of its complaints, Russia had been wanting to be reconnected to the SWIFT financial system. It had requested that its main agricultural bank be reconnected. The UN proposed that a subsidiary of the agricultural bank be reconnected. Russia rejected that proposal. Under the Black Sea Grain Initiative and a re related deal between Russia and the UN, Russia was expecting to be able to export fertilizer under this deal. It has a main pipeline for ammonium that flows from Russia out of the Black Sea through Odessa. Russia hasn't been able to export ammonia so far under the deal. As a side note, Russia's fertilizer exports were reduced last year because of high global fertilizer prices. Russia's revenue from its fertilizer exports actually soared by 70%. So all that to say, Russia had complaints about not being connected to financial system, about not being able to export fertilizers. 
the ultimate reason. And I think that we can distract ourselves by by parsing apart what Russia states are its reasons. The ultimate reason is that Russia has always used agriculture as a main tool in the war against Ukraine to inflict suffering on Ukraine, both on its people and its economy. Given the, the, the way that the war has gone over the past 15 months or so, we've seen increasingly so, but especially over the past several days, that Ukraine's agriculture sector has become a major theater in Russia's attacks on Ukraine. So, Caitlin, to me, this sort of signals a bit of weakness on the part of the Russians that they're resorting to agricultural warfare, maybe to mask some of the losses that they've suffered on the battlefield. Do you see it that way? You know, I uh, <laughs> hesitate to you know read read the mind of President Putin or those um, sure. you know in, in in Russia. There, there's that, but um, but certainly Russia is, is trying to use every means that it's disposable to get any kind of upper hand in Ukraine right now. And how this is effective is that this is a main source of income for Ukraine. It's 20 percent of Ukraine's GDP comes from Ukraine's agriculture sector, 40 percent of its export revenue, 17 percent of the labor force are employed in agriculture. So by attacking Ukraine's agriculture sector, Russia really is reducing revenue to Ukraine in wartime. And we've seen Russia, again, targeting Ukraine's agriculture sector from the get-go. At, at the very beginning of Russia's invasion, there was a lot of a lot of attention to its attacks on major municipal centers. But it was attacking farms and warehouses and transport infrastructure and ports from the beginning. So th- this has been an intentional aspect of Russia's invasion from the start. So without question, this is going to hurt Ukraine. This is going to continue to hurt Ukraine. And looking at some of the numbers, Ukraine and Russia, both major exporters of grain on global markets. Russia, because of its land area, has always produced and exported far greater volumes than Ukraine. So Russia is starting out at at, at an advantage compared to Ukraine. But due to the impacts of Russia's war in Ukraine, of Russia's very intentional attacks across Ukraine's agricultural sector, we see that production of wheat in Ukraine, wheat alone, compared to two years ago, is down 47% and exports down 44%. That's a significant decline for one of the major world's major global producers. Incidentally, I mentioned Russia is already starting at an advantage because it produces and exports far more. Russia's production is up 13% compared to two years ago, and its exports are up 44% compared to two years ago, looking at wheat alone. Okay. So does this make up for the fact that Ukraine isn't going to be able to put their grain out in the world? And what does it really mean for the global food crisis? To get back to your previous question about why Russia is doing this and how it's inflicting pain across Ukraine through damage to its economy during wartime, another reason that Ukraine suffers and that Russia is benefiting from this decision is that countries that are able to import less from Ukraine because Ukraine is exporting less could naturally be looking to to Russia as an alternative alternative source of supply. Now, it's difficult to get those numbers because Russia ceased publishing data on its agricultural exports in April of last year. So Russia's not publishing data. It's difficult to get transparency into this. A lot of importing countries also don't don't report this data, but We've looked at a couple of countries, and we have seen that this is the case, that the countries, as they're decreasing their imports from Ukraine, they're increasing imports from Russia, which is not only bad for for Ukraine, but it's good for Russia in the sense that Russia understands, has always understood, that food exports are a major source of soft power. So for those countries that are importing less from Ukraine and importing more from Russia, Russia has even more influence through this major export. So, Caitlin, what does this mean for the United States and our food issues? What does it mean for food prices in the United States? Have you examined that this week? When it comes to the United States, 
I don't expect an immediate impact on food prices in the United States. We are relatively insulated due to the strength of the United States' own agriculture sector. Um, we're relatively insulated from global shocks such as this. It's countries that rely more on imports for their own food security, and it's poor populations in every country around the world that will be most affected by high food prices. I think this is most important to look at, though, in the context of the war in Ukraine and the fact that there really are no easy solutions to this. Russia, through unilateral decision, is preventing Ukraine from exporting its grains to global markets. And when it comes to alternatives, one of the main alternatives that Ukraine has used since and since Russia invaded is to try to ship its exports through land routes with moderate success. This has to be understood also in the context of the fact that Ukraine's agricultural infrastructure is set up to produce grains and ship them south through the Black Sea. And that's one of the advantages, actually, of Ukraine's agriculture sector is the proximity of its locations of production to export. So it can produce and ship its grains relatively quickly through the Black Sea. Its land infrastructure was not established to handle the volume of grain that, that Ukraine had been exporting through the Black Sea. So when asked about this the other day, Secretary Blinken actually mentioned that, you know, we're, we're looking at at alternative routes, but really there's nothing that's set up to handle this volume. Related to that, though, Russia, of course, understands that this is a challenge for Ukraine. Russia understands that there, there is no alternative for Ukraine at this point, and that forcing Ukraine to export grains by land routes through its European neighbors has had the effect so far of, as we were seeing earlier this year, it's actually depress the price of grains in Ukraine's neighboring countries because those countries are not set up to handle the volume of, of grain that's coming from Ukraine. So these countries, and we actually saw import restrictions put in place by Poland, Slovakia, Bulgaria, and Hungary because they imported grain from Ukraine. They weren't equipped to handle this, this grain. It's It sat there and domestic prices lowered. So those countries' farmers were getting less for their own products. So there were protests in some of these countries and import restrictions put in place, which was threatening European support for Ukraine in the context of the war. Again, Russia understands this very, very well. They understand that by blocking Ukraine's shipments, they're doing many things at once. They're reducing revenue for U for Ukraine in the time of war. They're spreading their own soft power through increasing their own exports to other countries. And they're potentially threatening support for Ukraine among European countries through the mechanism I just explained. I'm assuming you see no end in sight to this with Russia. And I guess the question is, is what would possibly influence a renewal of the Black Sea Grain Initiative and get things back on track at this point? There is no easy answer. Ukraine cannot overnight reorient its export infrastructure from the Black Sea to land routes. Even if Ukraine were to do that, if there were some change in the nature of this war and Ukraine suddenly had access to its Black Sea ports again, well, those ports would probably be preferred to land routes. So there really is a disincentive to long-term investments in land routes for that reason. So there's no no easy answer. Uh, I know that there's discussion and publicity by the Ukrainian government and the U.S. government about investing in these alternative routes. I think that that's an important step right now. When it comes to Russia rejoining this initiative, it has incentive to stay away for the time being. An important point that I haven't mentioned yet is that Russia has produced and is set to export a record amount of wheat this year. So it's been the world's largest wheat exporter since 2017. What it's producing and expected to export this year is going to be a record not just for Russia, but for any country. Because of that, it has a lot of grain 
in-country right now, a lot in store, a lot being produced, a lot set for export, Russia would benefit from higher higher wheat prices. So Russia would benefit, get more revenue for the wheat that it's selling. So that's an important, so it, it has an incentive to stay away. When it comes to incentives to rejoin, a couple of interesting points. One is that among the countries that are importing from, from Ukraine under the Black Sea Grain Initiative, again, 45 countries around the world, the top importer by far has been China. China has imported a significant amount of corn, especially from Ukraine. And in fact, upon Russia's decision the other day, China actually issued a statement condemning Russia's decision. So there's a chance that there could be di- diplomatic pressure there. There's a chance that there could be diplomatic pressure put by other countries that are relying on Ukraine for their imports, particularly countries in North Africa, East Africa, parts of Asia, etc. Those countries could put diplomatic pressure on, on Russia. Also, it's interesting to look at the role that, that Turkey has played in the context of the, the negotiation. So Turkey was essential in securing the deal last July. President Erdogan has a different relationship, um, potentially different relationship with President Putin right now, given the fact that Erdogan just last month removed a roadblock to Sweden's accession to NATO. So it could be the case that Putin is less willing to listen to Erdogan right now, given those dynamics at play. You know, we, we can look at what Russia did as perhaps a final decision because it gains by hurting Ukraine in this way. We can also look at it as part of a negotiating process. Russia can take what looks like a very absolute stance and hope by that to extract some kind of concessions. So maybe it's just projecting a very absolute stance, again, hoping to get some concessions. And then once certain things are granted, then it would rejoin. I'm not sure. But it's, it's, it bears repeating something that um, an affiliate of my program said last year that Moscow can use its stranglehold on Ukrainian grain as critical leverage to extract concessions in negotiations negotiations with Ukraine and other countries. That's exactly what it hopes to do. Caitlin Welsh, lots of thinking about here, and we'll definitely be talking more about this issue as it develops. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 